very interesting text. And uh, we've walked through some, some hard things that Jesus is doing with his disciples and with those that are wanting to be disciples. And uh, I think that this, this chapter, turning the page and seeing some excitement here in chapter 10, is going to be good for all of us. Um, so take your Bibles and go to Luke, Luke chapter 10. Thank you so much. Luke chapter 10, and we're going to read some, some scripture here. We're going to read verses 1 through 16. And I'm going to jump right in. I got some hate this week. I don't know if you saw it. Got some hate in that Facebook group, friend. Yeah, when Pastor Matt says he's going to be done on time. Yeah. And then not. Man. And that was the... <laughs> and that was the most liked and seen post. What you don't know... And this, I'll, I'll give you a little insight to the Facebook group. As an admin, you can see how many people looked at the post. Right? So I see how many of you look at it and don't like it and don't comment, and it breaks my heart. I mean, it literally breaks my heart. Here's me right here, whole, done. <laughs> anyway, uh, but, but that post went out, Cody with a little meme humor, and everybody was all over it, you know, like it up. Anyway, I'm going to get you out on time today. And you say, what's on time? I don't really know. <laughs> I just keep it like that. But it's going to be good. <laughs> Luke chapter 10, verse 1. Luke chapter 10, verse 1. After these things, the Lord appointed other 70 also. So we should, we should stop right there and acknowledge uh, what's been happening, right? So we remember that he's dialing in his disciples, getting them ready for the cross, getting them ready for the fact that he is going. They don't want to accept it. They're ignoring it. They don't really understand it. They don't like it. Um, but the disciples are being prepared for Jesus, you know, his death, burial, and resurrection, and then his leaving. And then you have these others that have been approaching him, right? And we talked about that last week, how three people approach Jesus and ask to be disciples. And he basically tells them in three different areas of how they will have to prepare or um, change, rather, uh, to become his disciples. Anybody remember what those three areas were? What was the first one? What's that? Let the dead bury the dead, right? That was relationships. So he said, inheritance, comfort. So it was comfort. You have to check yourself before you wreck yourself, right? If you want to be a disciple of Jesus, you need to understand that your comfort is going to look differently. What does that mean? It means that you're going to put heaven first. I'm not, and, and I think maybe there was some misconception, but... I'm not saying it's bad to be comfortable in, in, a, in one sense. You know, I have a very, all right, <laughs> I have a very comfortable couch at home that I sit on at the end of the day. You understand what I'm saying? It's very comfortable. I like it. <laughs> something, something broke. Uh, it's okay. Uh, there's nothing to see here. Uh, but all that being said, I'm not saying that it's wrong to, to have times in your day where you're comfortable. I'm saying that when it comes to the gospel, sometimes there are decisions to make that are uncomfortable. And I, and I need you to, to understand that when you make those decisions, the Holy Spirit is called the comforter. So what I'm trying to get you to do is change your perspective. That's all I'm trying to do. When you put heaven first, you'll look at poverty as comfortable if you have peace with the Father. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's a next, that's a tier three issue. People don't understand that. People don't live, that's reckless love, right? So I'm trying to get you to see a new perspective of comfort, a new perspective of finances. Um, perfect example, last week we've had two people that have donated 
uh, above and beyond to the building fund. Um, it's not a comfortable thing to give large sums of money to the church. In one sense, it's only comfortable in eternity. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because how many of you need help spending money? <laughs> and if you need help, call me. I'll be there. I can spend some money, let me tell you. I don't have problems spending money. I have problems giving it. That's because of my nature. So, And, and just a side note on that. Um, man, have you seen the nursery? Anybody look? The bathroom's coming along. Um, as a church, we had... I don't know if you remember this. We passed out investment round one. It was $52,000 for all of the projects that we wanted to do. Does anybody remember that? Yeah. We've done 32000 of that. As our church, we only have $20,000 more to go of 52000 And last week, yeah. Give yourselves a hand. Give him praise. Last week, we had another 1500 come in on that. Just building. So, I'm, and I'm not saying... You know, I'm not saying that we shouldn't go outside, you know, to, to raise money and support. Trust me, I've been calling. I've been meeting with people constantly. Because in my mind, I see $20,000. I need to get $20,000, and that's going to finish. The bathroom's finished. I'm going to take that wall. See that wall right there? It's going to go bye-bye. We're going to have a bigger foyer, right? There's some things that I want to do in that, in that 52000 And I believe that we're doing it for the right reason. Y'all believe that? So anyway, I know he's going to provide, but I'm just saying, look around. It's a blessing to get involved. It's a blessing if you take your money and you go heaven first. I'm just telling you, you're missing out. It's not, oh, the pastor's preaching about money. I've, I'm, I have to accept this because it's not easy for me. It goes against my nature to preach on it. But what I'm trying to tell you is we, my wife and I live this way. Because it's the only way to live. And those of you that have done it, putting the Lord first, it's like a no-brainer. So anyway, I challenge you to do it. Just keep loving the Lord. Keep putting heaven first. And then your relationships. That's that third area where he said, if you're going to be my disciple, you're going to have to put your relationships in heaven first. And sometimes that means saying goodbye to some and saying hello to new ones, right? So that was last week's message. Go back and listen to it. The whole podcast is online. Uh, thank you so much, Josh. We're, I know he's in here somewhere. Right here. He's got the iPad. Thank you for getting it dialed in. And, and he's working on the sound right now. But last week, to have that podcast, it's, it's coming along. We're getting there, little by little. And a lot of people are putting in a lot of hours and are, and are serving the Lord faithfully here. So thank you for that, that it was there. I just went on Proclaim and hit Publish. That was it. It, it was there, yeah. It's good stuff. But nonetheless... Coming into what you kind of have to give up to be a disciple, then we turn the corner on chapter 10, and there's 70 people that Jesus is about to send out. You know what this does? And after these things, the Lord appointed other 70 also and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place, uh, whither he himself would come. This gives me hope because last week at the end of the message, I asked some of you, I said, hey, are you ready to be a disciple? And you're like, you know, pray for me, Pastor Matt. Maybe one out of the three I'm having a hard time with. Guess what? Here's 70 people right here that the Lord sent out right after that hard message. What does that mean? 70 people said, I'm going to put heaven first. So where are you at in this equation? I hope that you're in the position that you're ready to be sent out. 
I hope that you're in the place where you're like, you know what? I'm putting heaven first. I'm going to serve Jesus no matter what. And if that's you, then you're going to be a part of this 70. So we're not going to really focus this morning on the others that walked away. The others that said, no, I'm going to focus on the 70 that Jesus commissioned and sent them into the communities that he was about to go to as he was leaving his hometown of Nazareth. Headed to Jerusalem, headed for the cross, evangelizing the whole way. So, here's what I would ask you. Do you want to be one of those disciples? Do you want to be one of those 70? Do you want to be one of those people that that you are excited now to say, you know what, I'm not exactly sure how this is all going to shape up to being, but but I'm going to put heaven first, and and I'm going to take that step, and we're going to do this thing together, Jesus. It's going to be simply Jesus in my life from this point forward. How many of you are like, yeah, that's me. I, I want to do that. If that's you, then this message is for you. Because here they are, they're being sent out. Let's continue to read. Ready? Therefore said he unto them, the harvest truly is great. Famous verse, don't miss this. The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into the harvest. Well, Jesus, you just said you you got 70 of them. We've been talking about 12 disciples, and, and you got 70 that you're about, hey, Courtney, good to see you, and you got 70 that you're about to send out. I'm 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 a squirrel. Y'all know that. <laughs> and Jesus still said, "Hey, guess what? We still don't have enough." Oh, we're growing. This is great. Look at all the people. Woo! It ain't enough. Fourteen shot. How many dead in the city? It ain't enough. There are those not just problems, not just social issues, but there are people that are ready to be harvested with the gospel. The Lord has prepared them. We just got to go get them. And the laborers are few. Look at it. Verse three, go your ways. Behold, I send you forth. It's going to take me an hour just to read 16 verses. See, this is what you guys don't understand. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Go your ways. Behold, I send you forth as lambs among among wolves. That's how I felt last night during that Facebook post. Carry neither purse, nor script, nor shoes, and salute no man by the way. Verse 5. And into whatsoever house ye enter, first say, peace be to this house. This is a lot. Just engage in your mind and take it in and we'll break it apart. And the son of peace be there. Your peace shall rest upon it, and if not, it shall turn to you again. And in the same house, remember, this is the 70 that he's sending out, going ahead of him in the communities. In the same house, remain, eating, drinking, such things as they give. For the laborer is worthy of his hire. Go not from house to house. And into whatsoever city ye enter, and they receive you, eat such things that are set before you. And heal the sick that are therein. And say unto them, the kingdom of God has come nigh unto you. But into whatsoever city ye enter, and they receive you not... Go your ways out into the streets of the same and say, even the very dust of your city, which cleaveth on us, we do wipe off against you. Notwithstanding, be ye sure of this, that the kingdom of God is come nigh unto you. But I say unto you that it shall be, this is, this is tough, it shall be more tolerable in the day for Sodom than for that city. Oof, son. Woe unto thee, Chorazin. Woe unto thee, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works had been done in Tyre and Sidon, which have been in you, they, would have, uh, they had a great while ago repented. 
sitting in sackcloth and ashes, but it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. And now Capernaum, which are exalted to heaven, shall be thrust down to what? To hell. Mm. He that heareth you, heareth me. And he that despiseth you, despiseth me. He that despiseth me, despiseth him, ooh, that what? Sent me. Let's, let's break this apart. The title of the message is what we do. This is what we do. As disciples of Jesus, as those that have accepted the call, we are going to evangelize the world. This isn't, you're not here for you. You're here for him. And it says, pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers. The problem is that he's doing the work and there's not enough people to fill those positions to go out and pick the grain or go out and harvest those people who are on the edge, who are ready to believe. And what we see here is some very key principles. I'm going to call them priorities and tools. Priorities for you and me as disciples that go out and tools that Jesus has given them in order to be successful at bringing forth the harvest. Are you with me? Are you with me? No? All right, let's break it out, even if you're not ready. 70 that said heaven first. Think about this. Where were the 70 at the time of the cross? It's important to note the fact that as Luke continues in his gospel account, that not all these guys that surrendered and went were faithful to him to the end. So I would say to you, don't lose, just as a precursor, don't lose yourself in the work. Don't find yourself and your opinion and your plan when God is calling you to his plan. There wasn't 70 surrounding the cross. The 12 went, much less the 70. You understand what I'm saying? So I'm giving you these things, and, and the, the nature of, of who we are, especially depending on your personality, is to say, I'm going to own that. I'm going to run 100 miles an hour. And then you run 100 miles an hour for a thing and a cause without the relationship, and you're going to burn out. So that's just a warning from the beginning that I see as 70 people that were disciples, they might not have counted the cost. So here's the priorities. Go to verse number two. You can just look in your Bibles or on your phones. Jose, you don't have to follow me on this. Yeah, you can just go to the priority screen. Here's the priorities. Here's the things that we have to put in order. Y'all know what a priority is? How many ladies just wish you could just get your husband to prioritize? You know what I'm saying? I mean, right? I mean, let me just tell you, husband, this is how we get things done. We prioritize, right? And all of us men are be like, I'm prioritizing. My list ain't your list. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I can say whatever I want because my wife ain't here. <laughs> it's going to be back. Let's not publish this podcast, shall we? <laughs> Priorities. You know, it's just as important to prioritize, if not more important, as a disciple, as it is a regular, run-of-the-mill human being, employee, husband, wife. And how many of us shoot from the hip when it comes to our relationship with God? In one week, out the next. I'm 100% on fire. The next week, I'm like way back where I was. And you all know where that is, wherever that is. You understand? Forgive my congestion. 
It's priorities. I'm, I'm going to tell you to go win and evangelize the world, and you're going to be like, yes! And then Monday's coming. And, and you know what Mondays are for? Prioritizing. When you don't feel like it. When it's still raining. And you want to pull the covers up. You can't do that. Why? The harvest is plenteous. Here's your number one priority. Look at verse number two. If you have your Bibles there, I encourage you, bring your Bibles to church. Whatever Bible you use in terms of whether it's on your phone or your iPad or, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of paper. I have tons of journals. I have Bibles that I write in. I like that. Uh, you know, it, it means some. I remember it. I learned that way. But not all of you learn that way. But bring it to church. Um, we're doing heart work, soul work here. And it would be helpful for you to have it. Uh, Luke chapter 10, look at verse number 2. Therefore said he unto them, the harvest truly is, what's the next word? Great. But the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers. Here's the first priority. Here's the word. Need. Need. When it comes to evangelism and what we do, our first priority should be the need. What is the need? Does anybody know? laborers oh it's the harvest sure that is a need but the big need is bodies (laughs) you are a priority in god's plan of the gospel do you understand that i think some people miss this and and here's the age-old illustration if if there was a chair two chairs sitting there and you knew that jesus was going to be in that chair at seven o'clock in the morning right and you had a meeting with him face to face how many of you would miss that appointment Jesus, you know, the king of kings, you know, the one who, the word that became flesh, you know, he walked the earth 2,000 years ago, died for all of us. You know what he did? Yeah, he's going to be in that chair at 7 o'clock in the morning sharp, and whatever questions you have, he's going to answer them. Whatever needs you have, he's going to grant them through the Holy Spirit. You know, and he's God, he's got all those powers, he's pulling from the inheritance of the ages and giving that to you. I mean, we'd be there with bells on, yes? Where were you this morning? He was sitting in the chair. The word of God was there. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word of God, the eternal word of God is there and we ignore it daily. What? Why is there a need for laborers? Because there's a need for people to understand the gospel. And if you get the gospel, if you get what Jesus was doing, you're not going to miss a day. You're going to be present. It's going to be a priority for you to fulfill your need and the priority. Do you understand what I'm saying? Hey, 70, go get them. And while you're getting it, pray for more people to get it. And here I am, a pastor of a church that's growing. And every week I can count people that aren't here. If, I'm going to just explain something to you. Our database is over 200 members and attenders. If everybody showed up on one day, I'd be like, open them, you know, open those windows. But why don't we have that problem? Mm-hmm. Priorities. And I, I'm not trying to beat you up. I'm just saying the Lord of the harvest is telling us to pray for laborers. And I'm just trying to pray people in seats. I said you come and hear it so that maybe your eye will affect your heart a little bit and go out there. If you miss the need, the need is you. I got nothing if I ain't got... 
If I ain't got you, baby. No, anyway. <laughs> I had to loosen it up a little bit. I need you. God, he didn't just save you because he wanted you to sit there. He saved you because he what? Needs you. Oh, well, that's nice. You need me? It ain't like that. He wants the transformation to happen from the inside. He wants you to, in your heart, be revealed through the Spirit of God and go, Oh my goodness, whoa, there is something huge that I need to do. Looking around, and then out of that you go, You picked me? You love me? I was a sinner. My goodness, do you understand what I'm saying? That's what grace is. The priority is need. And if you knew that God put a priority on you as a laborer, would you stand him up? Or would you fulfill it and make it a priority? I'll be there next week. I got you, Jesus. I'm saying I will be there. But this week I can't. I mean, I'm just saying, the nursery list, that's the hardest thing, isn't it? Rachel, I am there. Girl, I can't. I can't for the next 10 weeks. No, I'm kidding. It just trickles down. It's got to be made of what? Mm-hmm. Okay. Isaiah 53.3 said, the man of sorrows. This is going to probably be a two-week thing. Jesus was moved with compassion. Jesus wept in John 11.35. Understanding, even though he knew he would raise Lazarus from the dead, the fact that other people that he loved were affected by a death and by a loss, it moved him to compassion. Do you think Jesus' calendar was an easy one to keep? When you have the multitudes of need coming to you, no wonder he was commissioning people left and right to go out in his name and try to explain to them, you got to make this a priority, Brandon, because you're going to go out and you're going to see needy people. It's called a harvest. And, And they need something, so you need to understand that I need you. But I think sometimes (laughs) you have a need. I have needs, God. So you come here looking for your need to be fulfilled instead of coming here because of the need. I didn't say prioritize your need. You see, if you, you know, whosoever shall lose their life for my sake shall find it, Scripture says. If you put your place in the gospel of where you land as being a servant of God, you're going to feel the weight of the need, and you're going to get lost in that. And as the Holy Ghost begins to use you, you're going to find purpose. And that purpose is going to drive you and drive you and drive you. And before you know it, you forgot about what you what? What you needed. That's how it works. Prioritize the actual need here. Number two, look at verse number three. Go your ways. Behold, I send you forth as lambs among wolves. That's a scary thing, isn't it? (laughs) We can put this into context real easy just by looking at where we are serving. How many there are some places in our city that's pretty close by that you would feel like you're a lamb among wolves? Anybody? Anybody? But you know what? He's called us to go. 
He's called us to make it a need, a priority in our lives to fulfill that purpose. And then he says, number two, here's the second priority, obedience. Look at verse three. Go your ways. Behold, I send you forth. I'm, I'm kind of blindsided by the amount of Christians that just don't obey God. This is getting a little rough, isn't it? Man, this is getting a little rough. I'm just amazed. God said go. Jonah said, nah. (laughs) (laughs) And that worked out real well for him, didn't it? I just want you to understand that whatever you think, (laughs) however you think it's going to play out for your kids and your life, None of it is, none of it would even come close to comparing if you would just obey God. But see, I just got these things going. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I can't overstate this. I can't push it enough. Just pull those things back. See the need that God wants you to serve him and obey. Make it a priority to obey. And if some of you are having trouble with that step, that priority of saying, okay, I'm going to obey. I mean, get the context. He's sending the 70 ahead of Jesus. Some of them were not nice. Most of the disciples, except John, their lives ended as what? Martyrs. They were obedient even unto death, like Philippians says Jesus was. But their lives... (laughs) We're filled with purpose and love. And I guarantee you not one of them would say they made the wrong decision. But there are many people that I talk to on the regular that say, Pastor Matt, I wish I would have just followed the Lord when I was 15, when I was 16. I wish this wasn't in my story. It's simple obedience. I teach my daughter. Slow obedience is No obedience. I tell you to do something, you do it. And I'm training her in the way she she should go. Why do I do that? So that she obeys God one day. I just want you to obey God. This is what we do, church. Hey, what do you guys do at your church? Well, you know, we drink coffee, and it's really good. What do we do? Well, we worship. What else do you do? We give, What else do you do? Uh, I think we do volunteer work sometime. (laughs) If someone asks you as a member of Bethlehem, what do you do? We win the lost. We go get it. We, (laughs) We are the need, and we obey God, and we go. As sheep into the wolves, we're good with it. Why? Because Jesus is good. Because he, as a lamb to the slaughter, came for me. Man, what would happen if we just got some grit, some spiritual grit in our crawl, and you, for the first time in your life, said, I'm just going to obey. I'm just going to say yes to God. Remember that Yes Man movie? (laughs) What would happen if every Christian would just say yes to God? I'll tell you what would happen. People would get saved. Revival would take place. Number three, the third priority that I see, look at verse four. Carry neither purse nor script. What does all this mean? Nor shoes and salute no man by the way. And into whatsoever house ye enter, first say, peace be to this house. And if the son 
of peace be there, your peace shall rest upon it. If not, it shall turn you again. In the same house, remain. Eat and drink. Remember the laborers worthy of his hire. Verse 8, into whatsoever ye city, uh, eat such things that are set before you. Heal the sick, verse 9, that are therein. And say unto them, the kingdom of God has come nigh. After they understood the priority of the need, they prioritized obedience in their life. Here's the third thing that they did. They prioritized the operation. Here's the operation. Peace. Peace. Look at that one word. Carry neither these things. Don't go with your needs met. Right? Verse 5. First say what? Peace be to this house. Jesus is trying to get them to understand the operation of the gospel. And that is this of peace. Listen to this statement. We are engaging with non-believers in an attempt to separate them from their own internal hostility. What is the operation, the nitty-gritty of the gospel? It is our separating the inner hostility of a non-believer. When we go in without our needs met, and we say, peace be unto you, we're seeing who the Holy Spirit is actually working on. The operation of the gospel is one of peace. How does that play out practically for those of you that are like, uh, bring that concept down here to planet Earth? How do you, how do you plan on evangelizing your coworkers when all you got's gossip? Instead of peace. How do you plan on evangelizing the world when you're out to get everything instead of coming with nothing? The operation of the gospel is Jesus says, empty empty your pockets. Don't take any food. I want you to enter into this community with nothing. And when you go into their house, just say, peace be unto you. I want you to enter... Back it up! You said, whoa, wait a minute. I'm going as a lamb into a a wolf's den? Then I'm taking my AK, you know what I'm saying? I'm going to be ready for them wolves. I got my K-bar on my leg. In our American society of our hustle, we were birthed out of the motherland, and we scrap for what we have, and we fight as a nation, and we get through, and we make do, and we get through the Great Depression, and we just, uh, we manhandle that junk as America, red, white, and blue, uh, right? Just ask any Marine. (laughs) That attitude doesn't work in the operation of the gospel. Personality has a lot to do with this. But when you approach the lost, our, our original nature is when we enter into anyone that is in conflict with us, we're not okay with conflict. We resolve that by going on the what? Offense or the defense. Paul put it this way to his preacher boy Timothy. Lifting up holy hands without wrath and without doubting. In other words, I don't have a sword to kill you with and I don't have a shield to protect myself with. The Christian priority should be one of peace in the operation of the gospel. There is no room for racial tension in the operation of the gospel. No room for it. None whatsoever. There's only peace. And then when they look at you, you're going, I don't have bread. You know, I I don't really have any means 
of my life. I have not built anything that is in opposition to you. I'm coming to you neutral. This is Switzerland, baby. I'm here only with peace. I love you. Think about the 70, and they're like, really? I mean, (laughs) it's going to be tough, Jesus. Did you hear what I told the last people? Comfort, money, and relationships. You can go with them if you want. This is the kingdom of heaven. All right, here we go. I see you back there with that sack lunch. Uh, You know, they throw it down. We all want to go prepared into the work that God is giving us. Watch this. He doesn't want your resources. He's got plenty. Nobody cares how big your house is or how little your house is. They just want to hear that word peace. You think we got enough hostility in the world? How do we reach people? Here's the operation. Peace, brother. This is an even playing field. And and does the scripture continue to say, and if they run you out of there, spit on them and kick the door on the way out? No, it does not say that. What's the fourth priority? I hope we're learning something today. Oh, this one's good. Truth. Look at verse 10. But in whatsoever city ye enter... And they receive you not. Here it is, church. This is how we respond. Go your ways out into the streets and the same say, even the very dust of your city, which cleaveth unto us, we do wipe off against you. Notwithstanding, be sure of this, that the kingdom of God is come nigh unto you. But I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable in the day for Sodom than it is for you in this city. Let me explain something to you. He even uses the term thrust down to hell to describe Capernaum. Sodom and Gomorrah was a evil city, right? In the Old Testament. And what happened? Fire and brimstone, right? <whistles> Consumed the city. And God even said, if there be one righteous person, if there, you know, right, all that. Remember the story? And if you don't, look it up. And God is saying, Jesus is saying, literally, when these people go into these cities and they say, peace be unto you, we're just here to prepare the way for our Savior who's coming. If they reject that, let them know that there is more judgment coming upon them than is coming upon or came upon Sodom and Gomorrah. I think that there's something that we need to reconcile here. There's a truth that is so rich that if you can unlock the truth of this truth, our fourth priority, it's going to change the way you evangelize. I want you to see the nature of judgment. Listen to it, church. Those that warned and see Jesus, those that were warned and see Jesus and reject him will receive a more severe punishment. It's not about someone's sexual orientation. It's about someone's relationship with Jesus. What does that have anything to do with the text? He said, Sodom. What's Sodom and Gomorrah known for? Sodomy. Okay. Let me explain something to you. (laughs) Something that we don't want to accept. The truth is, it's worse to reject Jesus than it is for any sin than you can ever imagine. Hmm. Seems to me that when it comes to discipleship, I hear the prayers of the church, and this has been for years. Growing up in church, 
pray for so-and-so, they're in sin, right? You know what I'm talking about. Pray, I mean, you know, you know she's drifted. God help her. And then you're at the watering hole out there, you know. Oh, my goodness. Let me tell you, first she and then she, right? And God forbid someone ever leave the faith and become a homosexual. God forbid someone ever. That's the worst thing in the world, right? No, you know what the worst thing in the world is? For someone to hear how much Jesus loves them and them not accept that. That's the worst thing in the world. That's called priorities in evangelism. Some of y'all aren't getting it. I can see it. It's like going, I'm serious. That's priorities in evangelism. People that are on the street, and I'm not against street preaching in some sense of the word. But the message on the board was not of that of their horrible sin. It wasn't out in front of the abortion clinics, right, saying, I hate abortion. It was, just simply don't reject Jesus. Don't, Don't reject Jesus. Jesus literally told them that, you know, the judgment that happened on Sodom and Gomorrah, what happened to you is going to be worse. And then he takes it a step further and he says, Tyre and Sidon, those horrible, wicked cities that judgment fell. Let me explain something to you. If they lived now instead of then, they would have repented. They would have changed. They would have turned. When those in Nineveh, when Jonah finally just lifted up Jesus and told them the truth, what happened? They repented in sackcloth and ashes. They turned from their wicked ways. They lived out 2 Chronicles 7.14. Do you understand that it is not the people? It is not their sin. It is us. It is the message. We are corrupting it. We are not staying true in our priorities to the message. Therefore, we're diluting the whole thing. We're stuck on sodomy instead of stuck on rejecting Jesus. What is wrong with us? That's what's wrong with our nation. I asked a question and then I answered it. Okay. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Church, we got, we got it backwards. We got the cart before the horse. We have a whole church. If I stood up here and ripped, I mean, and I could do it. Maybe I should for the next five minutes. I won't just think. And just tell you about all the things that are wrong with our nation. All the wickedness and evil and how, how people need to just turn to the Lord. Blah, blah, blah. All y'all will be like, yeah, you guys are horrible out there. And I'm really good in here. That's how you're going to feel walking out. And I've attended church like that for years and years and years. And God helps someone steps out of line in such a way that doesn't align themselves with the man of God. And then that's what Sunday nights are for. <laughs> Sunday nights are, let me straighten you out real quick. I've got some dissension in the church. Oh, my goodness. You know what the problem is? Our priorities are out of whack. We're focused on why Sodom and Gomorrah burned instead of the fact that those that are hearing the message of Jesus right now are going to burn hotter just for saying no to Jesus. Because to whom much is given... Much is required. But we'd rather sit on our hobby horse 
of whatever it is, whatever your pet sin is, and how brother or sister so-and-so puke. Do you want to reach people or not? Hey, peace be unto you. Peace be unto you. There's some tools. There's three of them that we're going to talk about next week. And I'm going to deal with some of the anxiety and some of the pressures that are going to come by putting these priorities in order. And Jesus didn't say, um, you know, I'm going to send you out among wolves and they're going to eat you and you're going to die. But in the end, you know, it's going to work out for me, so we're good. <laughs> it didn't, he didn't just approach it that way. He said that you're going to go out and it's going to be tough. And if they reject you, just let them know that the most important thing is for them to know that they're rejecting me, not you. So we're going to deal with three tools next week that are really going to help support your discipleship. Nothing like going to a job site and your batteries aren't charged. And you pick up the skill saw and you're like, eh, click, click. All right, let's come back tomorrow. <laughs> you know, I feel like some of you, you know, you try discipleship. You tried to bring it up to a coworker. You tried to talk shop a little bit about the church. And you try to share Jesus a little bit. And you, like, hit one little roadblock. And you were like, you know, you felt like your battery was dead. Do you understand what I'm saying? And you're like, I ain't got nothing. Okay, let's just uh, walk this way. They're going to walk that way. It's only going to be awkward until she can't see me anymore. <laughs> Never bringing up church again. And I'm sure if we asked and shared, we've all had those like scary moments where we failed at sharing Jesus. Next week we'll help that. I'm going to give you three tools that will encourage all of us to be better sharers of our faith. But I want you to focus on the priorities this week. Okay, I want you to go back. And I want you to read chapter 10, verses 1 through 16 again. I want you to see it for yourself. Because Jesus also said, woe unto those two cities. You know where geogra ge geographically those two cities landed? Right next to each other, but right next to his hometown. They're the ones who heard it the most. Everybody knew about that healer. And unfortunately in America... People are hearing about Jesus. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you. You know, the rest of the world, there are many that haven't heard. God help. And many of us have been on mission trips, and we've been in areas of the world where those haven't heard, and then they hear for the first time, and they're just like floored by the gospel. And they accept it. But around here, it's almost like their ears are deaf to it. Do you understand what I'm saying? So it's important that we understand that we're those people. We're working in a land that is not easy because we're working in a land of people who have heard it. And what does that mean? God's going to bring the rain harder on them of judgment. And some of those are your family members. Some of those are your friends. And that's why it's important for us to get this right. Do you understand? I feel the weight. When I pray in the morning and when I get on my knees, a lot of times here of late, it happens right there. I, I open up my blinds. If you drive by here in the morning, um, you know, I open up my blinds right there and I just watch the cars go by. And I just sit there and cry. And I just think, everybody who comes out of this community, that's a soul. That's a soul. Not to mention the ones beyond us. And my heart just breaks for all of those that are one click away. All they have to do is 
go on Facebook and they'll see messages of Jesus. And like, it's saturated. It's going to burn hotter for them. Church, we got to get this right, okay? Every head bowed, every eye closed. This is what we do. We evangelize. We go forth.